The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see all of you um, in this uh, time of year where we have the dark days. Um, uh, actually, in a few days, uh, we'll, we'll be arriving at the... Uh, the winter solstice and uh, and the, the earth will start turning towards light again. Um, so we're at this uh, wonderful point of uh, transition uh, into winter from long the, from a period when the, the days are getting shorter to a period when the days are getting longer. Uh, recently, I was reading a, uh, a Norman Fisher essay uh, describing a conversation between Buddha and Ananda. Uh, in which Ananda asks whether having good friends is half the path. The Buddha said, No, Ananda, having good friends is the whole of the holy life. Having good spiritual friends, fellow travelers on the path is very important. Seems that we're all very busy these days. Uh, Our opportunities to see each other face to face are perhaps not as often as we would like. And I also know my own tendencies um, towards uh, detachment and uh, isolation and uh, autonomy. Yet uh, Sangha, this Sangha, physical and virtual, uh, is the Sangha treasure that sustains us all. And I'm so, so very grateful for it. I want to talk today about one of Dogen's fascicles titled Dharma Blossoms Turn Dharma Blossoms. This fascicle or this essay has been actually very helpful to me um, over the last uh, few months uh, as I've been working with it. My practice um, over these these last many months is to allow myself to be intimate with my life. And I I say to allow myself to be intimate with my life um, because I've not always done that. Uh, Daishi talked last week uh, about practicing with distance. And there are many aspects to to practicing with distance. Um, One aspect is is recognizing when we are separating or distancing ourselves. So being intimate with my life, uh, I can say that there have been some very difficult things um, uh, and there have been some very joyful things. And through it all, my practice and my study of Buddhist teachings have sustained me. The Dharma blossoms in Dogen's essay refer to the Lotus Sutra, uh, which is one of the uh, earliest Mahayana texts. Um, And uh, Dharma blossoms turn Dharma blossoms. The essay also references the Platform Sutra, um, which is about the sixth ancestor, Huineng. So there's there's just... uh, uh, an amazing amount of uh, uh, Buddhist teaching um, from uh, early Buddhism that Dogen is commenting on and uh, awakening us to, bringing us to, and uh, giving it his own unique uh, perspective. Of course, one of the essential messages of the Lotus Sutra is that all of the Buddha's teachings are to lead beings to enlightenment. Uh, there is no path, there isn't a path for Shravakas uh, and a different path for uh, Pracheka Buddhas uh, and another path for Bodhisattvas. 
There is only the one vehicle that leads all beings to enlightenment, all beings. So here's the first paragraph in this essay. The Buddha lands of the 10 directions are just Dharma blossoms. Here, all of the Buddhas of the 10 directions in the past and present who abide in unsurpassed complete, complete enlightenment turn Dharma blossoms and are turned by Dharma blossoms. In this way, there is the original practice of bodhisattvas, not turning back or veering away. There is the most profound, immeasurable wisdom of Buddhas. There is the serene, subtle samadhi, difficult to comprehend and difficult to enter. So let's take the first sentence. The Buddha lands of the 10 directions are just Dharma blossoms. So Dogen often does this. He, he tells, tells us what he's going to tell us in the first paragraph. Uh, he kind of uh, lays out the course of the essay. And in this very first sentence, the Buddha lands of the 10 directions are just Dharma blossoms. Dogen says that everything in this world is the blossoming of the Dharma. Everything in my life, everything in your life, is the blossoming of the Dharma. Since your life is not separate from the world, Dogen is telling us that all of it is the manifestation, the expression of the Dharma. So we don't always see this, do we? When we're deep in the muck of our own life, um, we see difficulties, we see obstacles. We see and we dwell on our own imperfection, or we see and we dwell on the imperfections of others. For example, for me, when I'm anxious or stressed, I have very familiar ways of manifesting my anxiety and my stress. Sometimes I talk too loudly or blurt something out. I mean, something completely not to the point of what's causing my stress just because I need to say something. And then, and then I'll be angry and, and ashamed that I've spoken in haste. Uh, and I'll be frustrated that I have to be so careful about everything that I say. How can these complex emotions be expressions of the Dharma? But then moments later, I realized that my words spoken out of anger or anxiety or stress are an opportunity for a deeper connection. And I reach towards that deeper connection. Or I realize that my emotions are telling me at a deeper level what I need to do. How can these complex emotions not be expressions of the Dharma? The Buddha lands of the 10 directions are just Dharma blossoms. Dogen goes on. Here, all Buddhas of the 10 directions in the past and present who abide in unsurpassed complete enlightenment turn Dharma blossoms and are turned by Dharma blossoms. He starts off, here all Buddhas of the past and present who abide in enlightenment. 
So the word here tells us that Dogen is not talking in the abstract. He's talking about this very moment, right here, all of us together with all beings abide in unsurpassed enlightenment. And abiding in unsurpassed enlightenment, what do we do? We turn Dharma blossoms and we are turned by Dharma blossoms. So I learned um, that this expression of turning Dharma blossoms and being turned by Dharma blossoms is actually drawn from the Platform Sutra. So as I say, this is this uh, essay refers to both the Lotus Sutra and the Platform Sutra. Uh, and I still have to read the Platform Sutra, but uh, Dogen has guided, guided us through a section of it. Um, and uh, so what, what, does, what, what does, do we mean by turn here, to turn Dharma blossoms and to be turned by them? So um, to turn a, a sutra um, uh, is a reference to an ancient Buddhist practice um, in which it was believed that just turning the pages of the sutra, just flipping through the, the pages of the sutra book uh, generated merit. Uh, and you, you may have also seen um, these photos of, of sutras that are printed on a giant cylinder. Um, and it was believed that if you, if you rotate the cylinder, if you revolve the cylinder, uh, you can turn the sutra over and over and over again uh, as a form of practice. So there's, uh, there's, this, uh, there's a reference here just to, uh, to practice, uh, and, and it's in an ancient form. So, so we can interpret, we turn Dharma blossoms as practice. This is one interpretation um, that I've come to. Um, and here, here I mean not just uh, Zen, but also um, Dharma study, service, or, or anything that we do from a place of enlightenment rather than a place of delusion. Here, abiding in enlightenment, return Dharma blossoms. What does it mean to be turned by Dharma blossoms? So, so my first interpretation, my first take on this um, was that it refers to the way in which we're turned around by the things that appear in our lives. The things that appear in our lives are Dharma blossoms, but we're turned around by them. We are disoriented, confused, hurt, angered, all because of our delusion. Because we don't see that what's happening in our lives is the flowering of the Dharma. Again, I have to ask myself, how can the shit that's happening in my life be the flowering of the Dharma? This is referring again to the Lotus Sutra. The lotus is the flower of enlightenment, which grows in the mud. And I was asking, as I was asking myself this question about the shit in my life, I was reminded of the parable of uh, Kisukatami. Um, so I'll just uh, digress for a moment. Um, uh, uh, Gautami was a, a, a woman um, uh, in ancient India who was uh, born to a, a poor family. Uh, and she was so thinny that, uh, thin that she, they called her um, uh, Kisa, which means lean. So she was uh, Gotami the lean, or Kisa Gotami. Um, and when she married, uh, she was shunned by her husband's family. Um, 
uh, until she had a son. Uh, she had a beautiful baby boy. And, uh, and they finally accepted her uh, uh, into the family um, because she had brought a son uh, to them. And then one day this, uh, this, this baby boy, this beautiful baby boy uh, takes ill uh, and dies. Uh, and Kisakotami is incredibly distraught. Um, and she wanders the streets of the town that she lives in uh, carrying the 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 uh, the body of her of her dead infant son, asking people for medicine, and she knocks on door after door asking for medicine, carrying this body of this dead child with her, and people think that she's lost her mind. And finally, someone has compassion and says, "There is someone in the village who can give you medicine." Uh, there's a great teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha, who is teaching at the edge of town, and you should go see him. And so Kisa Gotami goes to see the Buddha and tells her story. And the Buddha says, I have medicine for you. But first you must do one thing. You must go about the village and approach each house and gather mustard seeds for me. And at each house, you must ask them to give you a mustard seed if they have never experienced death in that household. So Kisakotami goes to one door after another and she asks for a mustard seed and she asks if they have experienced death in that family. And at one house, they tell her, oh, I've, I've lost a son. We've lost a son. We've never gotten over it. In another house, they say, my mother just died. In a third house, they say, we lost our grandmother. In the fourth house, they point to a cot in the back and they say, my husband is dying now. So Kisa Gotami eventually realizes that there is no life with, that, has not, that is not touched by death and suffering. She realizes that she is not unique. And she goes back and sits in front of the Buddha and recounts the story to him and asks to become his disciple. And the Buddha says to her, he sings a little verse actually, care stricken with thoughts of children, herds and possessions, attached to life, death comes and seizes everyone, even as a flood sweeps a slumbering village away. And when the Buddha finishes, finishes singing this verse, Kisagotami becomes an arhat and becomes famous in her practice and way of life going about wearing coarse garments and being a model for all the other disciples of the Buddha. So Dogen is not saying in Lotus Blossoms turn Lotus Blossoms that in life there is no suffering. All of us will experience suffering 
Within this suffering, we find the seeds of compassion. We find the seeds of awakening. We discover strength and resilience. We find the courage to act. We find the courage to care. Are these not Dharma blossoms? We are turned by Dharma blossoms and we turn Dharma blossoms. Dogen goes on. In this way, there is the original practice of bodhisattvas, not turning back or veering away. Not turning back or veering away. There is the most profound immeasurable wisdom of Buddhas. There is the serene, subtle samadhi, difficult to comprehend and difficult to enter. So in this way, turning and being turned, Dogen says that there are three things. There's the original practice of bodhisattvas, saving beings, the Sangha treasure. There's immeasurable wisdom, the Dharma treasure. And there is serene, subtle samadhi, difficult to comprehend and difficult to enter, the Buddha treasure. To understand this, we need to see our lives as the blossoming of the Dharma. Reality, this crazy messed up world as the blossoming of the Dharma. How do we do this? We look at the world and we see pain and suffering and selfishness and kindness and joy and loneliness and beauty. Isn't it the case that one of these things or some of these things are the blossoming of the Dharma and the other ones are the working of Mara? Or as my Judeo-Christian heritage would have it, isn't, aren't some of these things the work of the devil? So it's in, in the next uh, section of the essay that Dogen recounts the story from the, 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 the story, the, the core story from the Platform Sutra, um, in which uh, Hui Neng is visited by a monk named Fada. And Fada's practice is reciting the Lotus Sutra, but he doesn't understand it. And so he asks for Hui Neng's help. And Hui Neng recites this verse. When your mind is deluded, you are turned by Dharma blossoms. When your mind is enlightened, you turn the Dharma blossoms. If you cannot clarify the meaning after chanting the sutra at great length, you become its enemy. Thinking beyond thinking is right. Thinking about thinking is wrong. If thinking and beyond thinking do not divide the mind, you can steer the white ox endlessly. So he says, if you cannot clarify the meaning of the sutra after chanting the sutra at great length, you become its enemy. There he's just speaking to Fada. Um, or to those of us who think that following the teachings are like following a recipe in a cookbook, to, that it's that we don't have to actually be intimate with our lives. We can just find a rule and, and follow the rule. When he says, um, if thinking and beyond thinking do not divide the mind, um, you can steer the white ox cart endlessly. So this is actually a reference. Um, the white ox cart is a reference to the parable of the burning house in the Lotus Sutra. Um, which I, I won't digress uh, into this time, but when our minds are not divided, 
when we're not divided between thinking and beyond thinking, when we recognize that both aspects of our mind are, are part of us, when we're intimate with our lives, we can steer the ox cart of our lives. And then at the beginning is where the phrase comes in that I've been dwelling on this whole time. When your mind is, but he, he says something else. Dogen says, or Huineng says something else. He says, when your mind is deluded, you are turned by the Dharma blossoms. And when your mind is enlightened, you turn the Dharma blossoms. So again, it seems like, well, one is good and one is bad. Um, when your mind is deluded, you are turned by Dharma blossoms. So I'll jump ahead a little bit in the essay um, and read a paragraph from uh, a little further on, where Dogen says, what is spoken of as turned by Dharma blossoms is your mind is deluded. Your mind is deluded, deluded is no other than turned by Dharma blossoms. Thus, the deluded mind is turned by Dharma blossoms. The meaning is that while the deluded mind is no other than all phenomena, reality is turned by Dharma blossoms. To be turned in this way is neither to be rejoiced in nor sought after, neither to attain nor to arrive. This being so, Dharma blossoms turning is not two and not three. So in, the, in this paragraph, Dogen pulled the rug right out from under me. Um, uh, up, up until now, as I was reading this, I was thinking being turned by Dharma blossoms is delusion. Uh, and that's not what we're after. That means we're doing it wrong. Um, we haven't arrived yet. Delusion, bad, enlightenment, good. Dogen says no. The deluded mind is no other than all phenomena. In fact, he says it as a de de in a dependent clause. He says, while the deluded mind is no other than all phenomena, reality is turned by Dharma blossoms. The flowering of the Dharma turns reality, all of reality. And the phrase turning here suggests what I think is an underlying perspective that is permeates all of Dogen's thought is that reality is not a fixed thing. It's not an insect that can be pinned in a glass case that can be studied. It's constantly being turned. It's constantly changing. It's constantly revolving and evolving. And Dogen is also saying, don't push away delusion. Don't turn away from your deluded self. If you turn away from your deluded self, you're turning away from yourself. You're separating. There is only one Buddha vehicle, not two, not three. Therefore, don't resent delusion. He flips it. He, he flips it now, and a little bit later, and takes the other side of the of of the of it. Um, uh, and he says, when your mind is enlightened you turn the Dharma blossoms means that you turn the Dharma blossoms. That is to say, when the Dharma blossoms fully turn you, you are empowered to turn the Dharma blossoms. While the original turning never stops, you return to turn the Dharma blossoms. 
While the donkey, delusion, has not left, the horse, enlightenment, has arrived. This is the single great matter manifesting here and now. When your mind is enlightened, you turn the Dharma blossoms means that you turn the Dharma blossoms. That, that is to say, when the Dharma blossoms fully turn you, you are empowered to turn the Dharma blossoms. Dogen is saying when we fully inhabit our life, all of our delusion, all of our pain and all of our joy, when we're intimate with our life, we turn the Dharma. We create Dharma blossoms in the world. He says, when the original turning never, while the original turning never stops, you return to turn the Dharma blossoms. So I'm not exactly sure what the reference is, but the original term, turning of the Dharma, I think, and I was just brought to think of this as cosmological time. The beginning of the universe, the Big Bang, the moment of the Buddha's turning of the Dharma. This turning never stops. We also turn the Dharma. And when I first heard this phrase, you return to turn the Dharma blossoms, uh, I had in my mind actually the image of a flywheel. Do you, do you know what a flywheel is? It's a, it's a wheel that, that you, you get it going. Um, and it stores energy. It's a mechanical device that stores energy. Um, and I had this image, just this very vivid image in my mind that all of us, with every breath, with every action, put our shoulder to the wheel and turn the wheel of the Dharma. Its turning depends on me, and it depends on you. And while the donkey delusion has not left, the horse enlightenment has arrived. We're enlightened in the midst of our delusion. We're deluded in the midst of our enlightenment. This is the single great matter, the great matter of life and death manifesting here and now. So rather than thinking we need to get rid of our delusion to find enlightenment, Dogen tells us that's a misguided notion. Delusion is right here. Enlightenment is right here. And then in the essay, he refers to the parable of the burning house again. He, and he says, delusion and enlightenment are both outside the gate where the children escape to, uh, where the children escape to from the burning house. Delusion and enlightenment are both outside the gate, at the gate, inside the gate, and inside the burning house. So the other shore is already reached. This life, with its difficulties, with its unsatisfactoriness, is also unsurpassed supreme enlightenment. So I, I uh, was reading an interview yesterday with an actress. Her name's Jessie Buckley. Um, and the interviewer asked her why she seeks difficult roles that explore the most unsettling contradictions of human desire and humanity's ugliest responses to it. And she, and she said, I mean, I'm drawn to it, and sometimes that's scary. I can't help it. I don't know why. But don't you think it's healthier 
instead of denying our reality that we live and die and there's pain and there's damage and there's also a huge amount of love and there's hope and there's fear and there's institutes and there's chaos and there's like what the hell are you doing if you're not like standing right in the middle of it it takes courage to live an authentic life it takes courage to be intimate with our delusion and our deluded world but what the hell are we doing if we don't do that if we're not standing in the middle of it being turned by dharma blossoms and turning dharma blossoms.